Uh, before we sit down, I want us to read this passage of Scripture together again as a body, uh, just to uh, acknowledge God's Word and also to just acknowledge God's presence and, and just us kind of saying this together uh, in unity as, as a body. So uh, God's Word for us today, this is our kind of our anchor verse that we're using for this series, Life Goals. I understand Pastor Lee led you in a great exercise last week, uh, Lectio Divina, the Divine Word. Uh, and uh, so I want us to read it again together today. God's word for us, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8. It's on your, your, your sermon notes. It's going to be on the, the big screen and over here too. Or if you want to read it from your Bible, you can. Let's read it together. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Now, before you sit down, I want you to do something, okay? I want everybody, now don't go yet. I'm gonna give you some instructions, okay? I want you to greet somebody around you, tell them good morning. But if you're really feeling uh, ambitious and, and, you know, stepping out today, here's, here's a question for you to ponder and maybe share with somebody. Who is someone other than your family that knows you better than anyone or that you can be yourself in front of? Who knows you better or, you know, who do you feel comfortable being yourself around? Now, I know the answer is Jesus because we're, you know, it's Sunday morning and we're in church. But I mean, besides that, right, if you want to share that, that might be your next step if you want to share that with somebody today before you sit down, okay? So just take a minute and greet those around you. <laughs> Let's kind of make our ways to our seat now. So when you think about somebody that knows you better than anyone or you can totally be yourself around, how, how many of you it was like an old friend that, that you've just known for a long time maybe? Was, that was for some of you? Okay. What about a pet? Anybody say a pet? They know you better than you know yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how many of y'all, it was the person you were talking to just now, because some of y'all were talking for a long time, so they, they, do they know you better than anybody now? I'm just teasing. Uh, how, how many of you would say maybe, you don't have to raise your hand for this, it'd be somebody from, from church or from somebody that you know because of your faith? Uh, I wonder if, if maybe that's the case. Uh, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. You know, for me, when I answer that question, outside of my family, uh, I've got a group of guys that I meet with once a week, uh, a group of pastors we started during covid uh, getting together because, as for many of you, I know, uh, ex you know, pastors felt a lot of, of stress and anxiety and isolation, and so it was good for us to get together and just to be able to share what's going on in each other's lives and pray for one another, encourage one another, hold each other accountable. And so those guys 
probably know me better than than anyone outside my family at this point. Um, it, we got together. It, it was called a it's called a discipleship band. I think I may have shared that with y'all before, but um, it, it, it's based on John Wesley. Uh, put this model together when he was starting uh, the Methodist movement. And, it, and so we got this band together. And if I hadn't told you this before, I told Abby that I was starting a band. And she was really excited about it. And she got really pumped. Oh, that's, that's great. I, I can't believe you're starting a band. I was like, okay, well, that's great. I'm glad you're excited about it. But it's just like, you know, it, was she worried about my spiritual growth or what? You know, but later on, she keeps asking me like, when's, when's your band going to practice? And, uh, th- and so finally I explained it to her and she wasn't quite as happy about it. But um, anyways... Uh, she really thought we were starting a rock band, I think. But, um, but anyways, uh, that, that band has been really important to me. And so uh, what I want to talk about today, what we're going to talk about as we continue on in this conversation about life goals is, is the importance of, of those kind of intentional relationships. Uh, we all need them. And, and there's no greater place for that than here in the body of Christ. So, so and this kind of goes along with what we've been talking about this series, Life Goals, how we've been talking about uh, New Year's Revelation, right? There's New Year's Resolutions, which kind of are about us and what we can do and what we can't do. But New Year's Revelation is about us focusing on, on what God can do, what God is already doing and what, what God can do in our lives as we, as we allow God to work in our lives. And I believe that as we shift that that perspective that has the power to transform our lives and our relationships and our church, not just here at the beginning of the year, but but the whole year and, and our whole lives. Um, we talked about how God's revelation has the potential to transform us in such a way that that we have new perspective, that we have new priorities, and that we we have new practices in our lives. And I know Pastor Lee talked about that last week in detail about some of those practices that that help us. Uh, position ourselves in such a way that we can receive and respond to God's revelation in our lives. He called them principal practices, those practices that are that are central to our spiritual growth. He gave you a great list from uh, Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Disciplines, about spiritual disciplines, right? Like like meditation and prayer and fasting and study and simplicity and, and so on and so forth. And so today what I want to do is I want to dig into those practices just a little bit more uh, because I believe they're so important. And, and I want to come at it from a unique perspective, and I want to talk about them for a specific purpose, uh, because I believe it's important for us to get this piece of, of, of spiritual practice in our life and the place that spiritual practice have, not only in our individual lives, but in our, our communal lives as, as the body of Christ. So, so we're going to switch. We talked about uh, perspective and, and priority and practice, and so I'm going to move from, from P's to R's a little bit this week. We're going to talk about uh, New Year's relationships and, and those rituals that go along with it. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about New Year's routines and, and rhythms. And then the final week, we're going to talk about something that, that I think uh, you're really going to like a lot and really is going to be transform, transformational. Um, I'm going to talk about what it looks like to have a New Year's rule of life. The idea of the rule of life is this ancient practice that's gone back since the early church, and it, and it helps us grow in our faith. It's sort of creating a, a life goal, a plan for us to grow. So um, so that's kind of where we're going. But today, what I want to talk about for just a few minutes is I want to dig into this idea a little bit and give you a little bit of of historical context. So, so I'm going to give you a bunch of information for just a minute, but the point is not the information. The point is the transformation that, that comes from it. So kind of uh, hang in there with me for just a few minutes, because I want to take us all the way back uh, to the very beginning of what church historians call the, the Methodist movement. It was during the, the Great Awakening in the United States back in the, uh, the 1700s. 
And, and John Wesley was the founder of Methodism. And, and when he started out, what you need to know about that is when John Wesley started out, uh, his, his goal, his life goal was, was not to, to start a new church. Uh, he was a priest in the Anglican church, the Church of England, and, and he remained an Anglican priest until he died in 1791. But in 1744, he was asked what his goal was, what his purpose was for this movement that he had started uh, in the U.S. called the Methodist Movement. And he said this, he says, it's not to form any new sect, but to reform the nation, particularly the church, and to spread scriptural holiness over the land. I love that. What does that mean? Um, I think it means to, to learn how to, to live and, and to love the way that scripture teaches us, the revelation of God uh, in our lives and in our life together, and to share that with other people. And, and, the, and the way that he did that was he went, he went out throughout the, the countrysides and throughout the towns and, and, and cities, and he sent other preachers out to do the same. But, but what he did was he went, and, he, and not only did he preach the gospel, but he organized the people. And, and I wanna focus on that today because I think that's really important. He organized the people around these principal practices, what we kind of call sharing life together in Christ, right? And, and that's what made all the difference. And, and the reason why we know that is because there was another preacher during that time, and his name was George Whitfield. And, and a lot of church historians say that George Whitfield was a much better preacher than John Wesley. He was much more charismatic, and he brought in, you know, these loads and loads of people. Um, but where his, his movement really didn't last, John Wesley's did. And the reason why, they say, is because, uh, again, not only did John preach, but he preached the gospel, but he organized the people. Uh, he would go into a town, Whitfield would go into a town and preach, and then he would just go to the next town. But, but Wesley would preach, and then he would organize people into these groups. Uh, they, call, they were called class meetings and societies and, and discipleship bands, like I was telling you about earlier. And so these were different levels of, of, of life together. They were different levels of, of mutual encouragement and accountability. They were, they were small groups that met regularly, and, and they were led by, by lay people. Uh, there, was, there wasn't a pastor around all the time. And, and so they learned how to, to practice sharing life together in Christ. And, and it, was, it was focused around these shared principles that were found in, in God's word. And so when they, when they talked to George Whitfield later on in his life, they asked him why he thought that the, this impact of Wesley was different than his. And he said this, he said, my brother Wesley acted wisely. The souls that were awakened under his ministry joined in class and thus preserved the fruit of his labor. This I neglected and my people are a rope of sand. I thought that was really interesting. Um, that, that the connection was the, the life together. Uh, that it was the the preaching of the gospel and the organizing of the people. And, and so John Wesley had a unique process that was built on his unique understanding of grace. And he defined grace as the undeserved, unmerited favor and loving action of God. And he had these three distinct expressions of grace. He called them prevenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. And, and the prevenient grace was the unconditional love of God, the Father, uh, Justifying grace was the, the salvation through the, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. And then sanctifying grace was more the focus on the transforming power 
of the Holy Spirit. So, so God's prevenient grace is available to everyone. God's justifying grace is, is enacted in those who put their trust and their hope and their faith in Christ for salvation. And, and God's sanctifying grace is, is what we experience as, the, as we continue to respond to the grace of God. As we grow in faith and maturity, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. So, so grace is God's free gift that points us to God's promises in Christ and God's power in and through the Holy Spirit. But there are certain practices that help people like us to take more of a posture of, of responding and receiving God's grace in our lives. And John Wesley called these the means of grace. And, and he called these the outward signs, words, and actions ordained of God and appointed to this end to be ordinary channels whereby he might convey to men preventing, justifying, and sanctifying grace. So he had all these different kinds of grace that he talks about. And then there were these different means of grace he talked about. He talked about the, the instituted means of grace, which were the ones that were instituted by Christ in the scriptures, like prayer and, and, and reading the Bible and, and Holy Communion, which we're gonna do today. But then he talked about there are also these prudential means of grace, like, uh, like the, the classes and the bands and different groups that met together. And the purpose of those were to lead us towards what he called works of piety, which helped us grow in our relationship with God, and works of mercy that helped us grow in our our love of, of neighbor. So these were the, the, the principled practices for the community of faith that were rooted in the practiced principles of faith that's found in the Holy Scriptures. Does that make sense? Uh, this is all kind of context for us this morning. I'm going somewhere with all this. I know this is a lot for early on a Sunday morning. So thanks for sticking with me. So Wesley had these, these principles that, that led to the practices. They were rooted in these principles, these practices. And so, um, so I want to share four of them with you this morning. Uh, and I'm calling them the practiced principles for principle practice. And, and they're in your, <laughs> I know. Um, thank you for loving me. These are four principles that, that, that are grounded in God's word. And these are actually John Wesley's words. And everything that they did were kind of organized around this. The number one is this. By grace, we are saved, right? Now, that's, that's not just John Wesley. You know, that came from somewhere else, right? That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one... Can boast. So this is God's grace. It all begins with God's grace. We can't even respond to God in faith without God's grace, without God initiating and offering us grace. So that's number one. Number two, he says, the use of all means, when he's talking about the means of grace, he says, the use of all means will never atone for one sin. The blood of Christ alone atones, right? So we do all these works in response to the grace of God, but, but that's not how we receive it forgiveness of sin, atonement for sin, that is through the blood of Christ. Amen? First uh, John 1, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. So it's by grace you've been saved through faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the third one, he says, all outward means, if separate from the Spirit of God, cannot profit at all. So again, it's not our work, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us 
and through us. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law, but those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Do you see how this is all about this grace that surrounds us at every, at every point of our lives? And then finally, the fourth one this morning is all about relationships. John Wesley one of his famous quotes is this, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. In other words, we can't live out this Christian life on our own. We, we need each other. We need community. Hebrews 10 says, let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So here's the big thing I want you to get from all this this morning. Uh, number one, preaching is important, okay? Let's, let's, just, let's just say that, right? Um, but it's not the most important thing, right? Preaching is only as important as much as it points people to these practiced principles and these principled practices. It, it, it's only as important as it points people to the promises of God in Jesus Christ, as it points people to the power of God in and through the Holy Spirit. It points to those practices that, that position people in such a way to receive and to respond to the grace of God in their lives. And, and it's only as important as it points to, to people who are willing to share life together in Christ. Does that make sense? That's what's the most important thing. That's how we live out the gospel that we profess through the promises of God, the power of God, the practices and the people that help us do that together. The main thing here is that John Wesley says he believed it and scripture confirms it, that growth and grace happens in community. You heard a little bit about a little bit of that this morning when Jonathan talked about the, the retreat that our youth were on this week. It was called Unite. And it's about all these churches coming together. And, and I was, my, my daughter was on, on the retreat this week and so Michelle let me tag along a little bit. And so, uh, so I was there at one of the sessions yesterday morning and, and the way that the speaker described this was he, he called it faith-filled friends. Uh, I love that. He says, who are your faith-filled friends? Those, those people in your life who are gonna encourage you uh, along that same goal in your faith, who love Jesus like you love Jesus and who wanna serve Jesus like you wanna serve Jesus. He says, uh, you need to have a squad that has the same squad goals as you in your life of faith. And I think that's Gen Z slang for we need community, right? We need people in our lives who, who share that faith and who want to share life together in Christ. That's what it's all about. They talked about uh, the, the four people that carried their friend to Jesus and lowered him down through the roof, right? That's, that's this beautiful picture of community. Who are those people that are going to walk with you through life and, and maybe at times carry you to Jesus? Who are those faith-filled people? Friends, that was the difference here. We can't really live out our faith. We can't become well-rounded in receiving and responding to God's grace in our lives unless we have relationships, unless we're sharing life together in Christ. That's what we're trying to do here as a fellowship family, isn't it? Uh, that's what church is all about. Church is about relationships. And then also, here's the other R, it's about those rituals 
that we have as a church that, that point us towards these, these practiced principles of faith. And I know that word ritual uh, might be kind of a scary word. When you hear it, it kind of maybe you have these images of like people in, in, in dark rooms with robes on and chanting or something like that. Or, or maybe it's when you hear ritual, you think of, you know, stuffy services with long liturgies and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about organizing our life around these, these, these actions and behaviors that, that are important, right? That point us to our purpose, not only do we need people, but we need a place to come and do that, right? That points us to our purpose. And that's what we do. That's why we come together on, on Sunday mornings. That's why we get together in, in groups. Is because we need those weekly, those daily reminders and rituals that remind us of who we are and whose we are and that we're not alone, right? I think we need to, we need to reestablish those rituals in our life that remind us of the relationships that are, that are so important. It's why we gather and worship, and it's why we come to the table of Holy Communion. So I'm excited that we get to do that today. Now, you might be wondering still, like, why so much information? <laughs> why the history lesson this morning? Why is that important to us here and now today? Well, here's why I think it's important. Here's why I wanted to share it with you today. It's because... I believe that what happened then can happen again. I believe that, that what God did then through, through the people called Methodists, God can do it again today through us, through the, through the fellowship family. And the reason why I believe that is because of how God has revealed himself to us in God's word. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God did it then, and God can do it again. Amen? Do you believe that? I believe it. One of my pastoral life goals for our fellowship family this year is for us to to continue to learn and, and live into this idea of sharing life together in Christ in such a way that, in the words of John Wesley, we, we, we spread scriptural holiness <laughs> throughout Murfreesboro and, and beyond. That we grow in, in God's grace. You know, scriptural holiness doesn't mean holier than thou. It means, it means learning how to live and love the way that the Bible teaches us. To grow in God's grace in such a way that others might come to know Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, through our lives and our life together. Through our relationships with one another that are rooted in our relationship with God and, and those practices like, like participating in worship and inviting others into, into the life of the church and into the, the group life, like those bands and, and meetings that that the early Methodist movement had. Those, those, those rituals like worship and communion where, where we can point people to the gospel of grace and, and to learn how to have a posture of prayer and searching the scriptures for, for purpose in life. So, so I wanna leave you with this to think about and to pray about. What could this look like for you and for me to implement this into our everyday lives? Two questions to think about and pray about. What, what relationships do you have or do you need 
to grow in God's grace? Who are those faith-filled friends that you need to have the same goals as you to grow in God's grace? And then the second one is, what rituals are available to help you grow in God's grace? Here, here at the church, but also just in your life, right? What, what does that look like? Not just on Sunday morning, but, but every day of the week. Not, not just individually, but, but communally. As you think about that and, and pray about that, I'm so excited that today we get, to, we get to practice and we get to celebrate, we get to participate in one of the oldest and most holy rituals of the church, Holy Communion. So, and we, and we, get, to, we get to receive it with brothers and sisters in Christ, faith-filled friends who form this community of faith, our fellowship family. I think the first next step for all of us today is to prepare our hearts and minds to receive this powerful means of grace. But before we do that, I wanna just ask you to prayerfully consider what other next step you might take today or this week uh, as we continue to make these life goals uh, for, for our lives and our life together. Maybe it's like we talked about earlier. Maybe it's stepping out in faith and, and, and joining a group or, or even starting a group and saying, hey, I want to share life together. I want, I want us to get together and meet for, for mutual encouragement and accountability rooted in our relationship with God and God's word. If you, if you want help with that, I know Pastor Lee would love to help you with it. Maybe it's making a commitment to uh, to making worship on Sunday morning your 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 weekly ritual, or or maybe a, a daily ritual of reading the, the the daily readings and praying, beginning of the day, whatever that looks like. I want to encourage you to to think about and to pray about what that next step of faith might be, because I believe that when we the the people called Methodists make our relationships and our rituals real and, and relevant in our lives and our life together, then I believe that vision will, will, will become a reality. That, that scriptural holiness will spread throughout our church and throughout our community and, and beyond as we practice sharing life together in Christ. So I, I want to pray that for you and, and with you as we come to the table today and as we prepare our hearts and minds to celebrate Holy Communion. So will you pray with me? God, we do thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name today as your people, to be reminded of, of your word, to be reminded of the word made flesh that dwelled among us and that dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for examples of how you have worked through ordinary people like us, through ordinary practices that bring transformation to, to, our, to lives and to communities. Lord, I thank you that, that you did it then, and we pray, Lord, that you would do it again right here, right now. That you would move powerfully in our lives and in our life together so that we might share the gospel with those around us through our relationships and through, through these rituals that that have become part of our shared life together. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you, Lord, that your grace meets us right where we are and surrounds us wherever we go. Lord, help us today to, to trust you and to entrust our lives 
to you, to allow you to lead us and guide us as we grow in your grace and as we become the people, the, the church that you want us to be. So God, we love you and we thank you for your grace. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us today and every day to respond in faith. Lord, we come to your table today confessing that there's times that we haven't acted in faith, that we've fallen short of your glory, that we've sinned, that we've missed the mark, that we've done things that we wish we hadn't done and, and not done things we wish we had. And God, we thank you so much because of the precious blood of Jesus, because of your grace, that we can approach you, your throne, and, and, and receive not condemnation, but grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. We thank you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And so we come now to offer ourselves to you, to position ourselves in such a way that we might receive and respond to your grace. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he was gathered with his disciples around the table. They were they were celebrating the, the, the ritual, the, the meal of Passover. And Jesus transformed that, that meal and that time when he, he took bread and, and he gave thanks to God and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body that's broken for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and he did the same thing. He, he gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so we come today to participate in that ritual, not, not only in remembrance of Christ's gift for us, but in some mysterious way for us to participate in that and, and to be the body of Christ. And that's our prayer. That's what I pray every time we gather together. I want to pray right now. God, we pray that you would, as we gather around this table, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and cup, that you would make them be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Holy Spirit, God, make us one. One with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes again in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. God, all honor and glory is yours now and forever. And so we, we thank you. And as children of God, we pray together with one voice, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to invite our servers to come forward and they're going to come and take their places. We're going to have a few stations up here at the front and uh, you'll be invited to come.
and you'll receive a piece of bread. You'll hear the words, the body of Christ broken for you. The blood of, you'll, you'll receive a, a cup of juice and you'll hear the words, the blood of Christ shed for you. Um, if you need a gluten-free option, you, we've got those over here as well. We've also got the kits if you would feel more comfortable with those. Uh, once you receive communion this morning, uh, you're invited to the altar to pray. If you like, the altars are open. Uh, you can stay as long as you like. If you want someone to pray with you, I would love to pray with you. Uh, as we do that, uh, we'll just continue to worship together and respond to how God's moving in our hearts and lives. I, what I, the last thing I want to tell you, because um, once everybody gets in place, you'll be invited to come. We always say this, but it's important for you to know this, this is not my table. It's not... Uh, fellowship table. It's not a United Methodist table. This is, this is Christ's table. And all who are seeking Christ, who are seeking to live in peace with God and with one another, are invited to come and, and receive this amazing means of God's grace. I want to encourage you to come and receive it this morning and respond to God's grace in your life. Uh, and as you come, uh, we're going to sing together. So let's, let's worship together and, and then you'll be invited to come.